All right. Well, we'll, we'll start our uh, our lesson this morning. Uh, I gave you homework last Sunday. You guys remember? No, that's fine. Uh, I'll remind you. Uh, but for those who remembered, how, how did that go? I mean, they were pretty simple, right? I, I know you guys have school homework. Um, I know you guys have, you know, chores, responsibilities. You know, just the teenage life is just, it's just busy. You know, I get, I get it. It's very busy, full of responsibilities and homework. So I try not to give you too much. So I hope they've been a pretty simple. Uh, who, who were able to do all three of them or maybe just two of them or maybe just one of them? Yes. Okay. What's that? Yeah. Can you share a little bit uh, which one you uh, enjoyed or learned about? Okay. Now that the first one, um, how did I word it? Ask a friend or a coworker or an acquaintance if you display Jesus Christ and how you live around them. How how was that for you? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. It it it's meant to yeah to be convicting and encouraging, um, to help us you know really practice what we learned last Sunday about um, living excellently among all unbelievers. Uh, anyone else would like to share? Somebody somebody here. A guy, a gentleman, a strong, courageous Joshua type gentleman. Be bold and courageous. Ask your friend. Uh, do not be afraid, for the Lord is with you. Ask them how you're doing in your life. I did see a hand here earlier in my peripheral vision. Oh, Rachel, you want to share a little bit? Oh. <laughs> no? <laughs> Sarah? What, anyone else want to share? Just Katie? It was encouraging. It was encouraging, yeah. How about those readings? How, how did the reading go? Yes, Rachel. Yeah. Yeah, those three passages, uh, Colossians, Second Peter, and then, um, and then Matthew, uh, talk about what it looks like to live excellently among all, all unbelievers. So um, hopefully you found that, that helpful. And also, uh, I ask you to read the whole section that we're studying so far so that you can be f- familiarized with what we've covered and what we're going to cover next. So uh, make sure you have a Bible. If you don't have one, we have extra Bibles in the back. Um, just grab one back there. He may have some extra if you need extra. Yeah, this, this side right here has done well. There are 35 chairs here, and all of them are taken. So great job, guys. You get a, get, you get a reward in heaven. <laughs> so make sure you have a Bible, a handout that the guys are passing out, and then something to write with. If you if you need any of those, we have we have extra for you. And open to open to First Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two. Out. Yeah, we're out. Okay. Yeah, if you have a handout, uh, like Romans chapter 2 says, you have no excuse to not do the homework. No excuse. Everybody, everybody has it. All right. First uh, Peter chapter 2. Okay, turn to First Peter chapter 2. Now, before we read our, our passage for this morning, I have two, two questions for you guys. Um, here's the first question. What do you think about when you hear the word submission or the word uh, or the command to submit? What, what do you guys first think about when you hear that? Yes. To obey. To obey. That's the first thing you think about? It's good. When you hear the word submission, submit the command, what, 
What comes to mind? Yes, Rachel. The wife's role in the marriage. Good. Yes. To not resist. To not resist. Yes. Under someone. Under someone. How about our leaders? What comes to your mind when you first hear the word submission or the command submit? I'm not saying that's the only thing that you think about. Wrestling. Wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Arm bar, wrestling, rear naked choke. <laughs> yes, Mr. Plummer. Place yourself under yeah, place yourself someone under's authority. Now, what are some uh, some of the negative thoughts that we think about when we hear the word submission or the command submit? Yes, Ryan. Oppressed. Yeah, oppression. Yeah. What's that? Give into. Capitulate. Yes, Lucas. What's that? Slavery. Slavery. Yeah. So th- those are the things that we think about when we hear that word submission or the command to submit. Now, why do you think it's difficult for us? And let's tighten this a little bit tighter. Why do you think it's difficult for your age? Okay, your age group. Why do you think it's difficult for, y- for you guys to submit to God-given or God-delegated authorities that God has placed you under. Why do you think that's hard? Why do you think it, that's not easy? Yes, lies. Because we're rebellious sinners who, uh, who uh, unfortunately don't want to obey God, even though we should and we know it's the best thing for us. Yeah, we know it's the right thing to do, but we don't want to. We're sinful. Yeah. Yeah, great answer. Yeah, the, the older you get, you know, somebody just turned a teenager, uh, you know, this, this month, and there's going to be that tendency to, be, to, to get more independence, to get more freedom, right? But the Lord continues to put us under authorities, and when we hear the word submission or the, the, word com, uh, the command to submit, we kind of we chafe against that. Yes, Grace. Yeah, yeah. you have curiosity and you kind of want to explore those curiosities out here, but the authorities are keeping you in here. Yeah. Now, this morning, uh, we're going to look at submission. Okay, not just submission to any types of God-delegated, God-given authorities He's placed us under, but submission to the government. I know this is a hot topic right now, and I, I know, I know that even though you're young, even though even though you're, uh, you might not be um, trafficking in politics, I know that this culture, you know, especially today, especially the past three years, uh, you know, the, uh, that, that topic has kind of penetrated all the way to the young people, that you see young people kind of getting into that too. So, so this is going to be very applic- applicable for us this morning. So submission to the government. Look at First Peter chapter 2. Follow as I read verses 13 through 17. Verse 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king or uh, whether to a king as the one in authority, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Now just as a reminder, we're studying, we started, we started this new section last Sunday, and just, just as a reminder, it's a long, big section. It starts in chapter 2, verse 11. And it goes all the way to chapter 3, verse 12. So this is the, this is the new section, a really big section that, that we're studying. And, um, and we, we're calling it holy living in a what kind of world? Hostile kind of world. 
We saw that last Sunday. We're going to see it again this morning, and we're going to see it again next Sunday, and we're going to see it again the following Sunday. How the world is in hostility against Christians, but the but but the Bible's commanding us to live holy lives. So the first instruction, okay, six instructions of holy living. The first one on your handout was last Sunday. Live excellently among all unbelievers. That's why I gave you that homework to ask people around you, if you are showing Jesus Christ, if you are displaying an excellent kind of life, and I gave you those passages, not just random passages, because I want you to read random stuff, but I wanted you guys to learn from Matthew, from Jesus, from Colossians, and from Second Peter chapter 1, what, what it looks like to live a, a, an excellent life. So we looked at that last Sunday, live excellently among all unbelievers. This morning, we're going to look at the second instruction from Peter, and it's this, live submissively, so that's your first fill in the blank, live submissively under the government. First, live excellently among all all unbelievers. Secondly, live submissively under the government. In these um, verses, okay, 13 through 17, we're going to look at three lessons about what this looks like. Okay, what is submission to the government? What, what does that look like for, for us today? That's why you see um, A, B, and C under number two on your handout. So the first one is this. Okay, the first lesson is this, letter A. Submission pleases our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, our our sub our submission to the government pleases our Lord Jesus Christ. That's verse thirteen and verse fourteen. Now, under that lesson, okay, submission pleases our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm including uh, four questions. I was thinking about, okay, how, how, how can I explain verse 13 and 14 in a way that's easy for us to follow? Um, going as far as Peter goes, but not going farther than where Peter goes. Because again, like I said, you know, government is a hot topic right now and we have a lot of questions, but Peter is not going to answer all of our questions. So I was thinking, okay, how, how do I break this down? I think Peter can answer four important questions for us. Okay, here's the first question. First, what does submission mean? Okay, and you guys already alluded to that earlier. Look at verse 13. This is the command from Peter. Submit yourselves. Okay, submit yourselves. That's the command. And um, if you like English, you guys know what a compound word is? <laughs> You're like, ah, oh, I do, but I want to get it out of my mind. What, what's, a, what's a compound word? Say it again. And you put it together. Yeah, it's a compound word. You, you may have two words put together or three words put together. Now, here, the word or the command submit is a compound word in the Greek. You guys want to learn a Greek word so that when you go home, you can say to your parents, yeah, it was a great lesson. We, were, we, we learned about a Greek compound word. Okay, so say hupo, tasso. So, Two words, you put it together, it's hupotasso, right? Hupo is under, okay? Tasso is to line up. So you put those two English words together, you get what? To line up under. To line up under. So that's where we get our English word submission or submit. Hupotasso. Okay, say it again. There you go. You know Greek. To line up under, to submit. And Peter says, submit yourselves. Okay, submit yourselves. And that is the command. And, and just as a side note, uh, to submit really is, uh, if you chase this word around in the Bible, it really captures two things. A submissive attitude and a submissive action. Okay, there's a lot of people today who say, I'll just submit in my action, but my heart is not, it's not submissive, and I'm okay with that, and God's okay with that. No, it's, God's not okay with that. That's not what it means to be submissive. You need to have a submissive attitude. It starts from the heart, and you need to have 
And you need to show that through your submissive action. That's what it means to line up under. Okay? Second question. What, uh, second question. Who do we submit to? Who do we submit to? Look at verse 13. Peter says, submit yourselves to every human institution. Okay, stop right there. To every human institution. Now, you may be asking, Peter, to, to every single human institution? And the answer is? Yes. No. Right? No. Because look at the rest of the verse in verse 13. Whether to a king... So he says, to every human institution, not every single human institution, I mean two major human institutions. To a king as the one in authority. They had kings and emperors back then. Today we would call that person in, in final, you know, highest authority as who? The president. Verse 14, or to governors as sent by the king, as sent by the president. Okay, so he's saying... Hey guys, submit yourself, line up, line yourself under with, with a submissive action, submissive attitude, not to every single person, not to every single institution. I mean to the king, the highest on earth, and to the lower authorities sent by the king. That's what Peter is referring to. Those are the two, you can call them realms or levels of governing authorities. They had them back then. We have them today. You can say, you know, federal or state. Um, there's some parallels and in, 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 uh, levels there. But he's just saying you need to submit to the king, the emperor, the president, and you need to submit to the other governing authorities that that person has chosen to rule over you. Now, why do you think we have a hard time submitting to our current president. Yes, in back. Yes, Spencer. Yeah, we may not agree with everything that he says. This is just interesting. You know, I'm, I'm not that old, but when I was your age, I didn't, you know, maybe it was just me, but I, I knew who the president was, but like, we didn't really care much. You know, now, today, Again, it, it trickles down, it permeates all the way down to, to the young age, and now everybody cares. And if you have 100 young people, you have 101 opinions. Right? It's just, it, everybody has a say about what's going on. Everybody has a say about the political climate that we're in. So, yeah, we may not agree with, with what he says. What else? Why is it, why is it hard to submit to our current president? Yes, Isaiah. We may not agree with the decisions he makes. The decisions that he makes? Anything else? Yeah. Political party, yeah. Yeah, Jack. We may not agree with his policies and what he thinks is right. Yes. Yes, we may not agree with all of those things. Now, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to give this answer not because it's my opinion, but it's just what I've heard a lot lately. Um, and I don't know if you have this opinion also, but many... Christians, okay, Christians um, say, and I've heard them say this, that, well, you know, it's hard to obey, it's hard to submit, it's hard to have a submissive attitude and submissive action to line myself under our current president because, because he cheated, right? He cheated. It should have been the other guy. That's why I'm telling you, not my president. Have you guys heard that? Right? He cheated. He got there because he cheated, it should have been the other person. The other person should be the president. If he were the president, then I'll say I'll submit to the government. Now, notice, okay, look at the Bible. Look at your Bible. Notice that word institution, okay? Submit yourselves to every human institution, king and governors. See that word institution? Um, if you have the NIV or NLT, you're, you're going to be looking for a while. You're... Yours say um, authority, I believe, right? Right, to every human authority? Okay, so some, some English translations say institution, some say authority, but really that word, most of the time it's used, it's used 19 times in the New Testament, most of the time it's used, it's translated as creation. Okay, creation. And listen to this, this, this is fascinating, okay, because it really, this really shatters our excuses, all of our excuses, from little excuses all the way to the big ones, like he cheated, he's not my president. 
That word, okay, it's used 19 times, most of the time translated as creation. In all of its, in all of its 19 occurrences, guess who's doing the action of, of uh, instituting something or creating something or giving authority to something? Guess, who, guess who's the subject all the time, all 19 times? Yes? Government. God. God. God is the one who creates human institutions. God is the one who, who gives authority to a human institution. God is the one who um, institutes <laughs> governing institutions. All 19 times, it's always God. Always God. Now, this, this is why I say this is fascinating because this is very significant for us today. Because this means that we are to submit to our governing authorities from the highest ranking ones like our president all the way to the lower ranking ones like our governors. Why? Because God put them there. Whether they cheated or not. We don't even know if they cheated or not. Right? God is the one who put him there or put them there all the time. Yes, including the president we're under today. It's God who instituted. It's God who created. It's God who gave authority to all of these governing delegated authorities. Therefore, there's no excuse. Our president is our president because God put him there. Our governor is our governor because God put him there. Your mayor is your mayor because God put him there or her. Okay? That's, that's, that shatters, okay, the heart that doesn't want to be submissive and the actions that are unsubmissive. God put him there, students. They, um, they think they got to office and received authority on their own, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says God put them in office and gave them the authority. Okay, remember, uh, remember when Jesus uh, was before Pilate? Pilate was a governor. Not Nero, not the emperor, not, the, not Caesar. He was just a governor, Pilate. And Pilate says, hey, Jesus, how come you're so quiet? You know, we're, we're, we're trying you in front of all, all these people who hate you, and they're slandering you, and they want to kill you on the cross, yet you don't want to defend yourself. And then Pilate says, Jesus, don't you know that I have the authority to kill you or release you? What does Jesus say? You have zero authority to release me or kill me unless it's been given to you by God. People say, man, Pilate was such an evil governor. Yes, but guess who put them there and guess who gave them the authority to lead the way he led? God did. And Jesus knew that. And he had a submissive attitude and a submissive action. Very important, students. Third question. When do we disobey? This is probably, you know, what you guys are waiting for. When do we disobey? Um, I was asking the same question when I was studying this. When do we disobey? I've heard people give their reasons when they disobey, but I want to make sure that I get my reasons from, from the Bible. When do we disobey? Look at the last statement in verse, in verse 14. Verse 14, the last statement. Governors as sent by him, again, sent by the king, delegated, chosen by the king, for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who literally Good doers, okay? Punishing the evildoers, praising the good doers. Now, some Christians today use this as a justification for their disobedience to governing authorities. They say, well, we're actually allowed. We have the freedom to disobey our government because they're no longer punishing evil and they're no longer rewarding good. Have you guys heard that? I've heard that many times. This is it. Here's our freedom. Here's our allowance to disobey the government because they're no longer doing what Peter says they're doing or should be, do, should be doing. Well, first of all, is that true? Is, is it really true that our government is no longer punishing evil and rewarding good? No, not all the way true. 
It's not all the way true. So that's already, you know, a slippery slope for a Christian to say, hey, I, I'm free to disobey because they're no longer punishing evil and rewarding good. And then I can ask, well, that's not completely true. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you, but that's not, com- that's not a complete true statement. They are still punishing evil and rewarding good. But that, if that is your excuse to disobey the government, then that's a slippery slope because where do you draw the line? Right? Where do you draw the line? You still pay taxes. That's, not, that's still submission to the government, but you believe that they're no longer punishing evil and rewarding good. When a cop pulls you over, why do you, why do you stop? Right? So where do you draw the line? See how, how sl- slippery that is? If that is your justification for disobeying the government. And also, also, uh, textually or, or according to what Peter is writing and saying, it seems like Peter added this statement uh, for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. I think he added that statement not to tell us uh, when we can disobey. I think he's plainly, simply only adding that statement to, to tell us what the government is supposed to do. That's it. You can look at Romans 13. Same thing. Paul's there just adds a statement to tell us what the government is supposed to do. It's not, it's not a statement that we can take and say, ah, oh, they're no longer doing it, so we can disobey. I, I don't think that's what Peter nor Paul is saying. They're just saying, here's the government. I, God, God is saying, here's the government. I'm the one who gives them the authority. I'm the one who places them in authority. And here's, here's my, um, my desire or purpose for them. And I know that they're not going to completely and perfectly do that. But, I, but that's, that's my purpose for them. That's, I think that's all the, the verse is saying. It, does, it, it doesn't give us justification for our disobedience. What, uh, what other reasons do Christians use today to justify their disobedience to the government? Other than, well, they're no longer punishing evil and rewarding good, so I have freedom to disobey. Yes? They're overstepping their constitutional bounds. Yeah, overstepping. They're overstepping, right? And, and if we do not do anything right now, if we don't lock arms right now and, and disobey them, they're going to become a what kind of governing rule? Yeah. Dictatorship, yep. Tyrannical, right? But again, who's in control of all that? Who put them there and gave them the authority? God did. God did. And, you know, remember who uh, they were under. Who was the emperor, the king back then, when Peter was writing to these Christians? Nero. Really, really wicked, bad, evil man. Okay? persecuting and killing Christians, dipping them in wax alive and putting them on stakes and lighting them on fire so that he could light up his parties at night. That was Nero. And Peter is saying, submit yourselves to the governing authorities. But, but he's not punishing evil. He's not rewarding good. Yes, that's my purpose for them. And I know that they're not going to do that perfectly. But I'm the one who put them there. I'm the one who gives them the authority. And I'm commanding you to have a submissive attitude and and a submissive action. Other excuses that we say, they're not promoting my political agenda. They're old, incompetent, and uneducated. And we even say, well, they're not Christians. I'm not going to submit to an unbelieving president. They're not, he's not a Christian, and he's morally corrupt. We, um, you know, this is, a, this is parent, parent, I wouldn't say parenting failure for the Augustans, but uh, a, a parenting, uh, a, a parenting, uh, what's, a, what's a softer word than failure? <laughs> what's that? Growth opportunity. Yeah, yeah, gr- growth opportunity for, for the Augustans as parents, okay? Uh, f- I don't remember when I said it, or I don't remember if Les and I both said it, but I'm pretty sure they did hear it from us, or from me, that uh, the president, well, th- 
I don't know what we said, but this is how a, an eight-year-old would, would interpret this. This eight-year-old said, yeah, our, our president is killing babies. That's the interpretation, right? And, and you know, I had to, I had to teach our, our children, like, well, that's not really true, right? He does not personally kill babies, right? But at the same time, just because our government is full of unbelievers who are morally corrupt, it does not give us, give us justification for disobedience. It still does not. Okay? So, when, right? We still need to answer the question, when? Well, here are two quotes that I think you'll find helpful in determining when you're allowed Okay, when you're allowed to disobey the government. And I found these two quotes very helpful. This one is uh, uh, from Dr. Constable, uh, an old pastor who preached a lot. And this is what he said about this verse in verse four, uh, verses 13 and 14. He said this, okay, listen. Christians should practice civil disobedience. Okay, fancy word for disobeying the government. Christians should practice civil disobedience when the government requires its citizens to disobey God, okay? Keyword, requires or demands its citizens, that's you and me, me also, remember from last Sunday, I'm a citizen, <laughs> requires its citizens to disobey God, not when it only permits them to disobey God, okay? What are some things right now that our government is doing or passing, you know, you can think of bills and other stuff, uh, that permits disobedience to God, but does not require us to disobey God. Really big one. Abortion. It permits disobedience to God, but it does not require us to disobey God. The government's not forcing moms to abort their babies. The government is permitting them to abort their babies. Right? So, so Dr. Constable says Christians should practice civil disobedience when the government requires it, not when it permits it. Here's another quote, the next quote. Another person, Charles Ryrie. And this one is very helpful, very helpful because, you know, especially during the election, I'm, I'm like, oh, you know, I take my rights. You know, I came here, you know, my dad worked so hard. You know, we were apart for 12 years so that he could bring his family to the United States, the promised land, so we can have all the rights that we need and we want. You know, I was getting all, you know, uh, worried during the election. And, but this quote is so helpful. He says, when a Christian thinks he should disobey the government, he must make sure that it's not because the government has denied him his civil rights, but because it has denied him God's rights. So don't get all, you know, up in arms, you know, and say, not my president, defund this, defund that, you know, and we got to rise up and overthrow. Don't, get, don't do that just because the government has denied you your civil rights. You have freedom. You are allowed to civilly disobey when the government has denied you God's rights. I thought that was very wise. And listen, even, even when you disobey the government, there is still room to have a submissive attitude and submissive action. Right? If they say, if they, if they, if they say, or force us to disobey God or sin against God, you know, like they did with with Daniel and Peter and John, you know, when, when they are forcing, requiring Christians to disobey God or sin against God, when that happens and we have no choice other than to obey God rather than man, there is still a way to do that in a submissive, honoring, respectful kind of way. Right? Daniel said, okay, throw us in the lion's den. John and Peter, okay, put us in prison. You know, as soon as we get out, we'll still preach the gospel. Right? Peter hacked uh, that soldier's ear off. Jesus said, hey, you know, there's a way to do this in a submissive way. 
So even when you have to disobey the government because it's requiring you and forcing you to disobey God, there's still a way to have a submissive kind of attitude. You want to take my guns? Okay, take my guns. That's a submissive way, right? It, you, you're forcing me to sin against God? Well, I can't. Sorry, I can't. There's a submissive way to, to, to go about that. Okay, guys, you know, I'm sure you, you see this and, and sense this among your friends or social media in school. You know, this, the, the generation of young people is just so angry. You know, they're angry. They want independence. They want freedom. And then every single governing delegated authority that God has placed them under, like their parents, their teachers, their pastors, their elders, their church, the government. Oh, I don't want those things. And Peter's saying, hey, you need to have a submissive attitude. You need to have a submissive behavior. Even when you have to disobey, there's still a way to do that in a submissive manner. Last question under letter A. Why do we submit? Why do we submit? Verse 13, submit yourselves for what? For who? The Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake's sake. Since God is the final authority and since God is the one delegating his authority to the government, when we submit to the government, we're really submitting to who? To God, to the Lord. It's for his sake. Even when the government is corrupt, wicked, and sinful, yes, you're still submitting ultimately to God. Even when, when they're permitting sin, yes. Even when they're really not punishing evil and rewarding good, yes. When you submit to that governing authority, you're doing it for the Lord's sake. Remember, He's the one who institutes. He's the one to. He's He's the one who uh, puts somebody in authority. He's the one who gives the power to exercise the authority. He's the one who does it all the time. All the time. So submission pleases our Lord Jesus Christ. It does. Because of your submissive heart, submissive attitude. Letter B. Submission protects our Christian testimony. It protects our Christian testimony. It is sad, right? The past couple of years, uh, which, which would have been the saltiest and the brightest years for Christians for their gospel testimony kind of, you know, kind of, we kind of dropped the ball on that one, right? Jesus says, hey, make sure your, your salt is salty. Make sure your light is bright. You know, don't hide it under a basket, you know, because by this people will know that you belong to me and you can point others to, to, the, to the gospel. And we have had that opportunity in the past couple of years, but because of, because of our unsubmissive hearts and attitudes, instead of protecting our Christian testimony, we ourselves kind of tore it down a little bit. All right? Uh, the loudest lately, um, when it comes to unsubmission, unfortunately, sometimes uh, in those groups, uh, we're Christians. And that's not protecting our Christian testimony. That's tearing it down. Look at verse 15. For such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Now, this is pretty, pretty straightforward here. Peter says that the doing right is the will of God for you. Okay? For such is the will of God. Which one, Peter? What is it? What's God's will for me? By doing right. In its context, not just every right thing to do, but specifically what? In its context, what's the right thing to do? Yeah. Obey the government? Yes, yeah, submission to the government. That right thing, Peter says, is God's will for you. That is the right thing. That is God's will for you. Why, Peter? Why should we submit to the government? Why should we do that right thing you're asking us to do? Because that has the power to what? Silence the ignorance of foolish men. Now, this is interesting. The word ignorance here is where we get our word agnostic. What's an agnostic? If you haven't met them, you'll meet them in college. 
Yes, Grace. God, yeah, yeah. They don't believe in God, meaning they are unbelievers, meaning they're not Christians, okay? An agnostic is an unbeliever, a non-Christian. And, and not only that, Peter also describes these people as foolish, okay? They think they're wise when they're not, right? So you have unbelievers who are agnostics, who are foolish, and they need to be silenced because the assumption is that they are slandering and attacking Christians, and Peter says, you know how you silence those ignorant, foolish men, those unbelievers, those pagans who target Christians and they hate you and they want to slander you and tear you down? You know how you deal with them? You know how you silence them? By doing what is what? Right. By doing what is right. Pretty straightforward. By doing what is right. Now, when this happens to you guys, when a hateful unbeliever wants to tear you down, what wrong responses are you tempted to do? When somebody is not a Christian and they hate you and they actually do want to tear you down, what are some wrong responses that you're tempted to do in your heart in the moment? Yes, Isaac. How? Yeah, be unkind to them in return. Prove to them that they're foolish. Yes, Ryan? Respond to them in anger, Respond to them in anger and say later that, hey, I, that, that anger was justified. They made me angry. They deserved it. What else? Yes, Grace. Not forgiving, not forgiving them. Yeah, not forgiving them. We say things like, I'm a Christian. So if they don't like that, you know, they're... they're they can expect what they can expect from me. Listen, students, you know what silences those kind of people in your class, classrooms, in your workplaces who hate you and want to slander you? You know what silences them? When your action matches your words. Okay, you say you're a Christian, well, match it with your action. That's how you're going to silence them. That's how you're going to silence them. When your Christian words match your Christian actions. When, uh, when we respond sinfully, we tear down our testimony as Christians. But when we respond rightly, like Peter's saying here, we protect our testimony. They have nothing bad to say against us. So submission protects our Christian testimony. Last one, letter C. Submission practices our freedom in Christ. Submission practices our freedom in Christ. Look at verse 16. Act as free men. If you have ESV, I think yours says live, right? Live as free men. Um, that word is actually not there. You know, that's why they're slanted in italics. If, you're, if, if you have NASB, I think it, it is in italics. You know, act is like in italics. If you have ESV, it's live. Uh, it, it really means that in your submission to the government, in the right thing that you do in submission to the government, you do that as what? What kind of people? Free people, free men. And do not use your freedom as covering for evil, but use it as slaves of God. So real quick, the freedom that Peter is talking about here is not, you know, I'm 18, I'm free. You know, I'm 21, more freedom. You know, yeah, more freedom. Right? The older you get, more independence. That's not what Peter's talking about. The, the freedom that Peter is talking about here is your freedom in Christ. Especially two things. Freedom from the penalty of your sin, hell, condemnation, wrath, and freedom from the power of sin. If you're a Christian, you have that freedom not to sin. Do you sin? Yes. But you actually have the freedom not to sin. So you have the freedom from the penalty of sin and the power of sin. And that's the freedom that Jesus Christ has given you. And Peter says, guys, you better not use that freedom as a covering for your sinful behavior. We do this today, right? We say, I'm a Christian. I'm free. So I do whatever I want. If you don't like it, I don't care. That's not my problem. I'm free. I do whatever I want. You don't like it. Sorry. Find other friends. Right? That's, that's how we use our freedom 
as a covering for evil. We, we also say things like, I'm a Christian, I'm free, so don't tell me I'm under authority. Don't tell me that I need to submit. Right? I'm free. I'm not under anyone's authority. I'm under my authority. So don't tell me to obey. Don't tell me to submit. Not my principal. Not my president. Right? I'm independent. I'm free. That's also a wrong, sinful attitude using, using our freedom as a covering, as a cover-up. So listen, students, if you're, if you're a Christian, yes, Christ has freed you from the penalty of sin and has given you the power over sin, but that doesn't mean that He's made you this independent, rebellious young person. Okay, your heart, even though, if, even though you're a Christian, okay, your heart is always going to be tempted to want independence and freedom. Let me tell you right now, okay, I, I, I am, I've been talking to a young lady for, for a while now, and everything's coming to a head because the, her whole life, okay, especially started, started when she was your age, okay, I knew her since she was your age, she's always wanted independence. She's always wanted freedom. And I'm telling her, fast forward, right now, I said, hey, look at where's that, where that's gotten you. Okay? You want more independent? You don't want, un- under, you, want, you don't want to be under this authority? You hate this authority? You don't like that authority? You want, to be, you want to be outside of those authority figures that God has placed you under because you just want to be independent? And I'm telling her, that, look at where that's gotten you. And that's not God's design for people, especially for Christians, especially for, for young people. Authorities, okay, listen to me, authorities are for your own good. Okay, next, next Sunday, we're going to talk about the authority in the workplace. And Peter says, yes, not just to kind employ, employers, but to the unkind ones. That's still a protection from God. And then weeks, a few weeks from now, we're going to get to, to chapter 3. Wives, hey, yes, even the disobedient husband, even to that, that authority figure is a protection for you. So I'm warning you, young people, this, this, you know, I want my independence, you know, like these social media people I follow, you know, they seem to have so much freedom. That's garbage. Okay. Independence is one of the most harmful things for you. Okay. It's one of the most harmful things for you to be fully and completely independent from God's authority. Delegated through people like the government and your parents and your teachers and, and all those authority figures. Just because guess what? If you, if you get outside of, of that authority and you, have, you finally have your independence and now you think you're free, guess what? You're still not free from the penalty of sin. You're still not free from the power of sin. You are a slave to sin thinking that you are finally independent and free. Most dangerous place to be especially for young people. So Peter is saying here, be submissive. Have a submissive attitude and action. Look at the last verse. He ends with uh, verse 17. Honor all people. That deals with our social relationships. Okay, social relationships. We're to respect every single person we interact with. Yes, every single one. Love the brotherhood that deals with our church relationships. We're to love, care, and serve our fellow Christians, uh, brothers and sisters in the church. Third one, fear God that deals with our spiritual relationship. We're to be concerned. I, I gave you this definition of the fear of the Lord a while back. We're to be concerned not to offend God, but and eager to please Him. That's the fear of the Lord. And last one, honor the King. That deals with our political relationships. As Christians, we're to be the most humble. Listen, students. As Christians, we are to be the most humble and the most submissive and the most respectful citizens towards our government. That's how you live a holy life in a hostile world because Peter is saying that protects your Christian testimony 
and that points those people who are foolish and agnostic, who hate you, want to persecute you, want to tear you down, that points them to the gospel, to Jesus Christ. That's what really it's all about, this long section. You live excellently among all unbelievers, that points them, that points them to Jesus Christ. You live submissively under the government, that points them to, to, to the gospel, to the Lord. And then next Sunday, okay, we're going to talk about slaves, masters, employees, employers. Uh, it's fascinating because, you know, I'm already starting to learn what slavery looked like in, in, in domestic in the home back then. And Peter is saying, yes, you need to submit to your masters. Um, and then Peter is going to say, look at the example of Jesus Christ who submitted, who submitted all the way to the cross. So it's all about your testimony. It's all about pointing unbelievers, especially those who hate us, to the gospel, to Jesus Christ. Okay? All right, you have your homework back there? Okay. Make sure you try to do them. Okay? Just three simple ones. Yes, Elias. Are protests and lawsuits against the government, are those civil disobedience? Is that civil disobedience, or is that a way that we can... Uh, I don't know. I would have to talk to that person who are doing those things if he... if he, I think it depends on the person. You know, they may say, yeah, that's civil disobedience, but then they may say, well, we're doing it in a submissive, honoring way because we're going through... We're going, we're going, uh, we're going by it and through it the way the government has given us to, to do those things, then, then that's great. You know, there's no unsubmissiveness to that. You're doing it the way they've asked you to present those things. Okay. Yeah, good question. Okay, let me pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your word, how clear it is, how convicting it is. But we also want to praise you for your word because there's protection when we understand it. There's protection when we obey it. We pray that like we just learned, that we would be the most humble, most respectful, most honoring citizens um, in our context so that we can build and protect our Christian testimony, not tear it down, not give unbelievers a reason not to believe the gospel, but give them reasons to, to believe the gospel, to leave their sins, and to trust in Jesus Christ. That's our hope. That's our goal. Uh, thank you for uh, our country where we can have Sunday school classes, main services, Wednesday nights, and that we can worship you. Uh, forgive us for our unsubmissive hearts, our love and idolatry of independence and freedom apart from you. I pray that uh, this group of young people would be a light in a dark world because they know that you are the final authority and that they've given their lives to you and they follow you. We love you and thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.